good people of the internet. We are back and we've got another special anatomy episode. You guys' favourite today. More anatomy. Um, more anatomy. Sean, how you going, man? Yeah, good. Terence, yeah. how are you? Yep, I'm good. And I'd um, like to give a special shout out. I've got Ben here. Ben Erner. Hello, I'm here. Cool. So Ben is the master of audacity and podcast. So uh, yeah, sure. That's <laughs> he, probably overselling it. Yeah. So he's hosted, I think you've hosted two podcasts in the past? Yeah, or? but... Don't go looking for them. <laughs> like they're just hidden in the internet somewhere. Okay. <laughs> awesome. But um, yeah, he knows much more than we do about yes. editing audio files and Audacity in particular. So yeah. he's going to mentor us on how to edit everything. And um, yeah, so thanks a lot for helping us out, man. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, whenever you're interested in a particular topic or want to talk about something, just let us know and you can jump on whatever. Sure. Thanks, dude. Yeah, we've also got a, a silent bystander here, Jamal. I'm the silent bystander. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah, and you're uh, from Melbourne, right? Correct. Cool. Yeah. And you moved over at the start of the year to study here? Correct. Cool. Yeah. How are you finding Perth so far? Uh, hot. <laughs> Very yeah. hot. I think today's like the only day in a long time where it's been sub 30. Honestly, it's been absolutely insane. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we'll pretty much get straight into it. Hey, so today's episode will pretty much be about anatomy of the thorax and abdomen. So... Firstly, I'd like to say, okay, what even is that? What is the thorax? So, like, I think technically the thorax is the space between your neck and, like, the bottom of your diaphragm. And, like, yeah, so it's pretty much everything in between, right? Yeah, so you, you can understand it's a pretty important section because in there you've got your heart, you've got your lungs, you've got your esophagus passing down, you've got very important arteries like the aorta going down as well and venous return to the heart as well in fear of vena cava comes through there. So a lot of important organs there, and it's important to know where things spatially are and how things interact with each other. So I think the first thing we'll start with the thorax is talking about the mediastinum. And what is that? If I'm not wrong, is it just the space in between the two lungs? Yeah, pretty much. So um, the mediastinum is this section between the lungs, and it's sectioned into superior, anterior, middle, and posterior. Um, does anyone want to tell me what defines the superior mediastinum? So the superior, it's the um, sternal angle, which is um, the second rib. I think it's T4 and 5, yeah, right? Perfect. Yeah. And a lot of stuff happens at that line. So that, that horizontal line, I think the aortic arch is above it. So it's, well, yeah, it's above the line. So the aortic arch is the only part of the aorta um, in the superior mediastinum. The descending and the ascending are both in the posterior. I think also the trachea bifurcates at T4-5. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty important line, imaginary line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And for those of you that don't know, the um, ascending aorta is uh, the vessel that comes off the left ventricle and it pumps oxygenated blood to all of your system. So it's very important. Um and also, what I would say as well is if you want to touch yourself for a second right now, if you put your hand where, uh, if you can feel your, <laughs> your Adam's apple, <laughs> you want to touch yourself right now, but touch like your neck area, right? And then slowly move your hand downwards, which we will say is uh, towards your toes or um, would you say that's caudal or <laughs> inferiorly? Yeah. Move your fingers inferiorly. And then you can feel this bony bit here, and that is your sternum. Uh, first, you've got the manubrium. And then as you go down, you can kind of feel this groove, which is the sternal angle. And that's that's what will align with around about where your second rib is and that section of the superior mediastinum. And then down lower than that as well, you've got the sternal body and then the xiphoid process, which is just a little thing right at the tip 
um, which and then you see further than that, there won't be any bone and your abdominal muscles will start. So that's the sternum. And um, would someone like to tell me what is the sternum derived from embryologically? So the sternum is from the somatoplore. Yeah. So it's not, it's not from the somites, which is the somites form the ribs next to it. Yeah. But the sternum is from the somatoplore. And uh, basically that's how you get um, defects where you have a collapsed um, sternum. So that's basically when the somites and the um, somatoplore like fail to meet up like correctly. Um, what else about the origin? Oh, the, um, basically you have two halves of the sternum and, um, they form together during, um, you know, your development. And that's why sometimes when, uh, the halves fail to meet, you also get holes in the body of the sternum. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I th- think this is right, but some might have to check this because it's formed from somatoplore. I'm pretty sure it's like is that intramembrous ossification, the type of how sure. it's formed? Because I know that's the cran- your cranial bones is formed from the somatoplore, so underneath this, and that's been intramembrously ossified. And in, in, in the same way with your somites, um, bones that are derived from your somites um, are formed endochondrally because the, your somites are like little chondral balls. So like your vertebral bodies, your ribs, and like your occipital lobe. So that might be like a hard and fast rule, maybe, if it's like a comparison between endochondral and intramembranous. Okay, sorry to pop your bubble. Yeah, there, Norm. is it not? I, I've just um, fact-checked by what is Google. It? Hopefully Google is right. Yeah. <laughs> it says endochondral ossification. Endochondral. So right. there must be some... That's weird, though, to me, though, because he did say somites is where things mm. are formed like that, but, yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, um, we'll go... So we'll talk about sternum. Do you want to talk about ribs? Yeah, we'll talk about ribs. All right, yeah. so does anyone know the difference between a true and a false rib? Oh, yeah. So false ribs are like the ribs at the bottom of your rib cage that are not actually connected to the sternum, right? Yeah, pretty pretty much. So a true rib, the true ribs are ribs are one to seven because their um, costal cartilages um, directly articulate with the, st- the body of the sternum. Um, but ribs seven to ten are false. Uh, actually, no, I think seven's real. Yeah, eight, eight, nine, and ten are false because their cartilage actually connects to the cartilage of the seventh rib, so they don't directly articulate with the sternum. That's why they're false. <clears throat> and if you're wondering about your 11th and 12th rib, they're called the floating ribs because they actually don't uh, connect in any way to the sternum, not through cartilage or not, not directly, yeah. So am I right to say that the, the costal margin is what is like around those false ribs, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the bottom of the 10th rib, the yeah. false rib, yeah. So the costal margin is pretty much just like an imaginary, if you draw in like an A type of shape, right? Right, because um, it goes up to your sternum and then down again. Yeah, down where, where your ribs go, yeah. Cool, so we've covered that. We've spoken about the superior mediastinum. What about the middle mediastinum? Anyone want to say what that is or what's inside it? It's pretty much just the heart, right? It's yeah. the pericardial contents, yeah. yeah. And then anterior then would be right in front of that? Yep, between the body wall and the pericardium. Yeah. Yep. And then posterior right That's behind. where all your good stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. So what goes through the posterior mediastinum there? Is it your esophagus yep. and your trachea? Yeah, more, more than more that as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, pretty much everything. Yeah. What else? Inferior vena cable goes through yeah, there as well. Right. Yeah. And they all order. Yeah. Right. They all have to pass through the diaphragm. Um, and whereabouts does that happen? Let's start with uh, esophagus, right? I actually right? do know this. Cool, go for so, it. So um, it's T... Oh, so, like, 
I remember IVC, Aorta, and Esophagus. Um, they're all it's T A T ten T twelve. Yes, so it's yes. um yeah those those mm-hmm. three. Now I just have to match them up. Yeah, I know yeah. Aorta um, passes through it the most inferiorly, so Aorta's got to be T twelve. Passes yeah. through the diaphragm T twelve. IVC is right at the top of the hump, so um it's got to be T eight, right? Yep. And uh, that leaves Esophagus T ten. Yeah. And the way I remember IVC being at the top of the hump, most superior at T eight is because that's literally where the 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 hump ends. Mm. Um, so the diaphragm most superiorly goes to T8. Yeah. yeah. And also an interesting thing about where the inferior vena cava goes through the diaphragm, it goes through the central tendon of the diaphragm. And as you, is, I'm right to say, as you breathe in, right, that central tendon's kind of stretched out, yeah. which increases the volume of the inferior vena cava, sucking venous blood up back into the right atrium so it's a cool way of venous return which is very interesting and then with the esophagus as well it goes through the muscular sling yeah so that means as you're breathing you can also control entrance of food into your stomach right well like when you breathe down the off um the esophagus is like it's um pinched shut so that's really it works so well because when you breathe your diaphragm uh contracts downward and that increases abdominal pressure and obviously, when you have an increase in abdominal pressure, the food wants to escape upwards, right? So when when the um, when you, when that happens, there's an increase in pressure, but it doesn't matter because um, your esophagus is closed shut. Yeah, mm. oh, that's awesome. And then that aorta kind of hides behind that and doesn't have to move too much when you're breathing. I think. Yeah. Because it goes near the the crura of the diaphragm, which is like the legs. Do you know, yeah. at um, the crura, they're attached to the vertebral. Um, what what levels are they attached to the vertebra? Like which how where does it extend to? Yeah, where do they could they because they're attached. Oh, it's L L one to L three, and it's actually cracked because um one side attaches slightly differently to the other side. So one Ooh. side is a bit longer than the other. Yeah, it's something like that. Hang on, I'll, really I'll, I'll fact check. You. Yeah, That's yeah. you talking. Yeah, well, I mean that just goes to show how far those um those things stretch out from the diaphragm. I think before we move on from the mediastinum area, we'll also touch on some of the nerves that go through there. So we've got the phrenic nerve, yeah. which pretty much runs down from it comes from like your it comes from the head, right? Somewhere or where exactly does it come phrenic. from? It, phrenic. It must come from your from your central nervous system, or is it a the phrenic man? Yeah. Where does it start? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's anterior <laughs> and it goes yeah. to the diaphragm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I don't think it's a cranial. No, it's, it's not. not a, a it's not a cranial nerve. Yeah. So okay, wherever it starts, we know it starts superiorly somewhere. We'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> comes from somewhere okay and then it goes down goes past your pericardium of your heart so it innervates your pericardium and that's sensory right yeah so mm-hmm. if you have um pain there it's the phrenic nerve that's yeah. t- picking it up it's pretty much sensory for everything like touches pretty much so like even like both sides of the diaphragm mm-hmm. oh not not sorry um yeah, yeah. yeah just on the underside of the diaphragm on and on the left yeah. and the right sides of the diaphragm yeah yeah all that um if there's organ irritation near there the phrenic will likely pick it up yeah and it also does motor for the diaphragm as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So it goes from down from the pericardium down to the diaphragm. And yeah, motor and sensory input. Um, all right, so we've just got Jamal, the silent <laughs> bystander here, being our lab guy. He says the phrenic nerve originates at C3. So, oh, C3, C4, C5. Keeps Oops. the diaphragm alive. Yeah. Oh, my God. How do we no, forget how that, How do we man? forget that? You can't Jeez. forget that. I don't remember remembering. <laughs> <laughs> all right, for those of you listening, C4... Uh, so C3, C4, C5, uh, cer- cervical vertebrae are up in your neck, right? And it's just numbered. And there's like a term C3, C4, C5 keeps the diaphragm alive because they're branches of the phrenic nerve. 
cool. We're never going to forget that again. Also, also um, just to backtrack a little, I found out where um, the crew are attached. So the right crust, cruise, crust? Cruise, yeah. <laughs> um, originates from vertebral bodies L1 to L3 and the left from L1 and L2. Okay. And that's just to confuse you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. So there's that nerve. And then there's also vagus that runs down and along everywhere. So vagus literally means wandering. And it's a nerve that is a cranial nerve in this case. It goes from your brain all the way down to your gut, which we'll cover later. But um, there's this branch of the vagus nerve called the recurrent laryngeal nerve which is strange because it kind of goes all the way down to your aortic arch, wraps around it, and then goes all the way back up to innervate some area in your larynx, which is very strange. But I feel like in development, when everything was closer together and we didn't have a neck, um, the nerves would join and the arteries would join in a much like smaller area. And then as you develop and your neck kind of extends, um, that nerve went down with it as well. So that's an interesting point. Um, cool. So we've covered vagus. We've also got some intercostal nerves around that area between the um, cartilages of your ribs. We've got some sympathetic chain ganglion that goes down. Um, I yeah. think um, those um, intercostal nerves branch off of those ganglia anyway. Off the ganglia? Yeah, Sweet. so um, those nerves carry motile, autonomic, sympathetic, and uh, sensory info as well. Yeah, awesome. Sweet. Um, and just again with the like section, so as Terence was saying before, T4, T5 is an important area because that's what denotes the superior from like anything um, inferior of the mediastinum. And so am I right to say at T4 and 5, that's where the aortic arch is? Yeah, yeah, yeah just the, yeah, just above. Cool. Oh, so, like around there, yeah. So if you were looking at a transverse section and anything above T4 and 5, you wouldn't see the, oh, say if you're like, if you're looking at like T3, right? Um, you, you might not see the ascending aorta, but you could see the branches of the ascending aorta, right? No, no, you can see the branches of the aortic arch. Yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. cool. Aortic arch, yeah. yeah. Um, and then below that, you'll see either the ascending aorta or the aortic arch or like some bifurcation of the trachea. So it's very important landmarks there. Um, should we go into a bit of lung anatomy? Yeah. Yeah. So which lung has two lobes and which lung has three? Well, yep. so the left lung is smaller. I remember that way. So it also has less lobes. Right. And why is it smaller? Right. Um, why is it smaller? Because it has the heart in that area. Yeah, so the heart is slanted off to the left. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the left lung has two lobes. The right lung has three lobes. What is, what's another like interesting anatomical feature of the left lung? So um, you can see, so the, obviously the heart's there. So you can see the cardiac notch, which is basically just the imprint that the heart leaves there. And that imprint sort of causes the lingula of the left lung to form. And that's basically just a part of the upper lobe, I believe, of the left lung, which looks like a tongue. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's why it's called lingula. It's a little piece that just sticks out. Awesome. So the lung and lungs and the heart are both wrapped around with um, these little cavities, right? Um, the mm. pericardial cavity is the where the heart is in, and then the pleural cavities is for the lungs. Mm. And we mentioned this a little bit in embryology, how... In um, when you're being developed, that's all derived from one continuous cavity called the intraembryonic um, coelom. Yeah. And then, you know, as your body wall, wall expands and the phrenic nerves grow, those cavities get separated and now they're distinct and different. Um, and they're important, I guess, to maintain the volume of the lungs and the heart, right? Because there's, on both layers, you've got like serous secretions happening. So there's a fluid in between both layers, um, pretty much maintaining that volume. 
Yeah, I reckon a common misconception is that the heart and the lungs are inside the pericardial and pleural cavities, respectively. They're not. The the organs just grow into them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's like the fist in the balloon, right? Like, Yeah, it's such a weird combination of words, but you hear it so often now. (laughs) Fist in a balloon. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, like, the balloon's... The outer surface is stretching around the fist, but the fist is not necessarily inside the balloon. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. Just picture you actually fisting a balloon or putting a ball, in <laughs> <laughs> or putting a ball in the balloon, yeah. right? And the balloon kind of wraps around your fist, but it doesn't fully cover it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of how the heart sits in its cavity and how the lungs sit in their cavity. Um, so we'll go, so that's pretty much the mediastinal cavity. Yeah, anything else? Um, I reckon, I think it's good to touch on that. The pleural cavity helps keep the lungs, um, uh, what, what do you call that? Um, open, yeah. like pretty much open. So because um, your chest wall, um, well, first of all, your lungs are elastic. So they have the tendency to close up on itself. And your body wall is rigid, rigid as hell. So like it wants to keep the lungs open. And so the visceral layer is stuck to the lungs and your parietal pleura is connected to your body wall. And that basically um, lends some of the rigidity of the body wall to the lungs so it doesn't always collapse in on itself. Mm. So really when you breathe, right, you expand your like your thoracic cavity and that then, because the parietal pleura is attached to where your ribs are, it expands your lungs because they're elastic. It helps you, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then... You can breathe in air, and then same thing when you breathe out. That kind of collapses a little bit with the help of the diaphragm. And, yeah, so it's a pretty neat working system. Yeah, so we'll go down to, like, the diaphragm level now. What level is, like, the the dome of the diaphragm at? I think we mentioned it was T8. Yeah, cool, yeah. T8, is or it? roughly around the fifth rib. Um, yeah. And that's wow. what will denote the separation between the thorax and the abdomen. And well. that's pretty high because T8 is where your nipple is. Mm. Like, so that's, Ooh. yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I, definitely. So... I've been asking you guys to I've touch a lot of weird things, touch your nipples as well. <laughs> but and know it, it's that a, your diaphragm is in that spot too. Yeah, no, it's a good way of learning. Once you do that, it's you're going to remember it, right? That's where your diaphragm goes up to, which is pretty insane. Um, yeah, cool. So is that pretty much everything we want to cover in the abdomen? Um, thorax. Thorax, thorax yes. Yeah. Thorax. Maybe just that the diaphragm sort of has two sort of domes. Like we think of it as one big dome. But really, when you look at it like we did in our anatomy lab, yeah, it's yeah. got two sort of bumps. It to does it. have two domes, right? And also, interestingly, the pericardium really goes and it sits pretty much on top of that, the diaphragm, yeah. the, the top of the diaphragm. So if you, if you ever get to see a specimen um, with like the pericardium intact in the diaphragm, you'll see how it really does go, pretty much sits right on top of the diaphragm, which is interesting as well. Another yeah. cool thing that we saw, I don't know if you guys saw about, yeah. we saw, I saw in the lab was... Um, um, your parietal pleura covers like the top of your um, diaphragm. And we actually had a pathology where um, we had calcification on the parietal, of the parietal pleura, which was sitting on top of the diaphragm, and it looked hella weird. It looks mm. cracked. Like yeah. just a bunch of calcium. Yes, yeah. And um, the dem- demonstrator wasn't 100% sure, but re- they reckon it was because of cancer. Wow. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Wow. Um, definitely interested to go into those pathologies soon, hey? Yeah. That'd be yeah. awesome. And then if you... Look right inferiorly from the diaphragm. We've got a few structures coming off there as well. So you've got your liver, which is pretty much right beneath your diaphragm. And it's pretty... On the right side. On the right side, yes. So inferior to the diaphragm uh, is your liver on the right side. And it's... Everyone's always amazed how massive the liver really is. Like, it yes. takes up a large chunk of 
of your like that section. What would you call that section? Is that still that's right uh, hypochondria? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. One, yeah. Should we mention a little bit about the the sections? Yeah, yeah. sections. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so now we're on abdomen. Yeah, we'll talk of. a bit of the abdomen stuff now. Anatomy of the abdomen. Um, so abdomen pretty much is where that diaphragm is now the start point of the um, abdomen. Yeah. So inferior from the diaphragm all the way to like the pelvic region. Yeah, much. so picture like all the tubes are now. Yeah, kind of gone so they've the all diaphragm. gone through the diaphragm, the tubes, and this is where we're going to have, start having your GIT organs, right? So yeah. the es- es- esophagus goes then into the stomach and mm-hmm. then to the small intestine, large intestine. We'll cover that in a sec. Um, but yeah, so the regions. The, yeah, so it's like split into a three by three grid kind of. Yeah. And your top layer, I guess, is your hypochondrium, right? So you have your left and right hypochondrium and your epigastric region. Yeah. Right. So hypo meaning below and chondrium so referencing the cartilages of, of the ribs. Of the yeah. ribs. So anything hypochondrial, you can say, oh, your would you say your lungs are hypo on the, in the hypochondrial space because they're, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <clears throat> where your belly button is, that's called the umbilicus region. And then above that is the epigastric and below that is the hypogastric. Epi meaning above, hypo below, and gastric like stomach. Epiblast and hypoblast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. <laughs> let's not talk about embryology. Yeah, let's, let's not, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> no, cool. Sweet. So we've got liver on the right side, and then on the left side, what do we got there? Oh, let's just finish up on the... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have um, next to your umbilicus, um, you have your... Oh, I always say flank, but flank's not the right word. Yeah, it's yeah. um lumbar, lumbar. lumbar. Yeah. So left and right lumbar. Yeah. Awesome. lumbar. And also on the in the bottom row, you have, next to your um hypogastric, you have your left and right inguinal. Mm, and awesome. um, I think it's important to say the lines as well. Mm, yeah. So the two vertical lines are your midclavicular um plane lines planes. Yeah, yeah. And um, ooh, the the other two. Do you guys remember what the other two are? Um, I think one the one that denotes the hypochondrium goes from right. At the, like the last point is where the ribs go, like the last rib line from there upwards, right? It is, yeah, it's the subcostal plane. Subcostal plane. And the one, the, the one, uh, the other line is the intertubercular. Intertubercular. And is that because it's near the, pe- like there's a I think so. Pelvis. I think it's like near there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah like a um, part of the pelvis that it like cuts off. Yeah, so pretty much those are just different planes and sections to help like anatomists and students describe which region they're talking about. Um, yeah, like the mid clavicular, you can like picture two yeah, lines going to the middle of yeah, the yeah. clavicles. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, clavicle being the bone that comes off where your sternum is. Yeah, um, cool. So. Should we talk talk about the GIT first? Uh, let's go through the types of blood supplies first. Right, though. Cool, so there's sweet. A, B's, and C's, right? Of right. arterial um, blood supplies. Yeah. Um, this is one of you want to walk us through it. You can go for it, man. Yeah. So um, A A is like your big boys. Those are the ones that are unpaired. They come straight off the uh, ventral surface of the aorta, I believe, of the descending aorta. Um, those are we'll get to it, but those are like your celiac trunk, your superior and inferior mesenteric arteries. Then you have your B your B groups, and your B groups are your paired arteries, and they um, go from <laughs> the lateral sides of the aorta, and those goes to, goes to your glands, right? Your glands, yeah, yeah those organs, so like your kidneys, your uh, suprarenals, all that yeah. good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the C group, which is just 
Uh, they just um, go off the body wall, I believe. Um, yeah. And so your A group, everything in your A group, uh, the venous uh, drainage is to the hepatic portal vein, and Bs and Cs, it's just um, your normal, like, somatic, uh, systemic venous system. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, every organ covered by mesentery has supplied by an A, mm-hmm. um, an A vessel. Yeah. yeah. So that pretty much means everything you eat, when it goes through your gut tube, um, the drainage of that and nutrients will end up going through the liver. Um, but then when we talk about the anus, for example, the anus doesn't feed back into the liver venous, venously first, right? So pretty much goes straight into systemic search circulation. That's why you can supply, like, apply drugs anally, right? Because it goes straight into circulation. Oh, and it doesn't go through the liver. Yeah. I think there's a proper word instead of anally. I can't yeah. remember it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Anally. We'll, we'll keep anally. Key string. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Keystream. <laughs> Keystream. <laughs> Suppository? Is that yeah. the word? Maybe. Oh, that sounds... That sounds... Yeah. Right, but, yeah. yeah. Maybe someone check that. But, um, yeah, so uh, we were speaking about the gut tube in previous episodes, and that's pretty much the lining that goes from your mouth all the way out to your anus. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't include your anus. It goes to your rectum, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and of that, we've got the foregut, midgut, and hindgut, right? So the organs of the foregut go... Like stomach includes does it include esophagus as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at least a part of it. At least a part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, stomach and then duodenum, which is the first um, part of the small intestine. So stomach directly empties into the duodenum. Just half though. Yes, just yeah. half of the duodenum. So that's the foregut organs. And what blood supply is to the foregut? That is the superior meso. No, no, no. Sure. That's, no. A that's the celiac trunk. Oh yeah. my celiac gosh. trunk. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. And then midgut goes from half of the duodenum down to the jejunum, which is another part of the small intestine, and then the ileum as well goes into the through cecum. yeah into the cecum through the ileocecal valve, goes up. That's to the, when it goes large intestine. Yeah, yeah, large intestine now. So now we've got ascending colon, and then two thirds of the transverse colon as well. So all those organs I just mentioned are supplied by the superior mesenteric artery. Because yeah. they're organs of the mid gut, right? Yeah, right. So organs of the hind gut. Well, you, well, you just keep going. The last third going. of the transverse colon, the descending colon, your sigmoid, and also your rectum. 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 Not your not anus. anus. Not, not your anus. anus. Yeah. 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 So that is In- your inferior mesenteric. Inferior mesenteric. Yeah. So it's a good general rule of thumb just to, if you know, you can pretty much follow the gut tube all along. If you know where the foregut starts and ends, midgut starts and ends, and same with hindgut, then you can pretty much say, okay, now I know what main vessels will be supplying these organs. And it's also similar with the veins as well because usually they just have the same name for the but a vein added to the end of it. Um, so that's the blood supply of the gut tube. Right. Um, something else about the gut tube. Uh, what's this word I keep hearing? Mesentery. Oh, mesenteries. Yeah, cool. <laughs> okay. Not cool at all. Not cool. <laughs> right. So, what a mesentery really is. If um, do you guys want to picture inside your abdomen, you have like you have like this peritoneal cavity when you develop, right? And it's pretty much has this uh, peritoneal lining. And what a mesentery is is when you have reflections of that lining. If you that lining pretty much folds in on itself, and when you have two layers of those coming into contact, 
that forms a mesentery. It's the and it's the visceral layer. So like you have your visceral peritoneum, which yeah. covers the organs, and it comes from the splenic pleura, and you have your parietal uh, peritone- uh, peritoneum, which comes from somatic pleura, yeah. and that covers your body wall. Yeah. So a mesentery is just yeah, as Norm said, it's just two layers of that visceral layer. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. And just a reminder, somatic pleura is ectoderm and lateral plate mesoderm. And then splanchnum pleura is endoderm and lateral plate mesoderm. So lining of the gut tube versus lining of the body wall. Cool. So that's what a mesentery is. And what can you find inside a mesentery? Black blood vessels. Yeah. Yeah. That's nerves, where you find them. Nerves yeah. as well. Nerves. Right. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Probably. We just, we just yeah. don't know. Like <laughs> it's, it's basically connective tissue, right? So yeah. It'd yeah. have a bunch of other stuff as well. And I think it has fat, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Don't know. I mean, yeah. It looks fatty, man. It looks, looks fatty. fatty as hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right, so what was the point of the mesentery, if you... Well, the mesentery. Are you yeah. talking about the, oh. the mesentery proper? Not all the mesentery. The OG. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say with the mesentery, right, is the one, or the mesentery proper, it's the one that um, pretty much holds the jejunum and ileum um, attached to, like, the posterior body wall. So if you think of, like, quadrupeds or, like, if you lean over, your intestines aren't just like falling to your ventral body wall, they're kind of suspended there, right? So it kind of he- keeps it in place. So that's one function. Another one could be... Um, the blood you, vessels. Yeah, blood vessels, right. yeah. So as you eat things, things can go through those blood vessels, drain to your liver, get some good nutrients in there. Also a lot of water absorption as well. Very important things. Anything else? Um, I think, just as Norm said, um, just to connect the organs to the mm. posterior body wall, I think it's easier, like Tom said, I'll let you um, it's easier to imagine like quadruped, like mm. all. The, if you imagine nothing like no mesentery, like all when they're like on all fours, their organs like their intestines just hang down. So like the mesentery kind of just wraps around and connects it to um, you know, something yeah. more upwards for them. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Um, I'm gonna talk. We'll talk about a bit of the um, kind of closer to the foregut area now. So stomach, liver. Uh, we'll speak about, because remember the foregut, or reminding you guys, the foregut is the only section that has both a ventral connection and a dorsal connection. And what I mean by that is, is that that like peritoneal lining has gone from the ventral body wall, wrapped around the organs, such as the liver, spleen, stomach, and then it goes and attaches to the dorsal body wall. So if you look at the stomach, right, it kind of looks like a peanut type shape. Peanut or like a... a like, a, what's, what's that when the moon kind of gets a bit eclipsed? Like a crescent? Yeah, yeah. what do you call that, right? Yeah. So you've got, like, a small curve and then a larger curve, right? Yeah, right. So you've got this, the lesser curvature, which is where the lesser momentum is formed. And connects the stomach to the liver. Yeah, liver. Yeah. Also a bit of duodenum and the diaphragm oh, as cool. well. Um, and that then, interestingly, forms the ventral mesogastrium, right? Yeah. So, which is that lesser, lesser momentum goes joins up to the falciform ligament of the liver, right? And then that actually goes to where your belly button is because within the falciform ligament is where ligamentum teres is, and that is pretty much a remnant of your umbilical vein. Yeah. So that is where you were supplied a lot of nutrients from your mum uh, when you were being developed. Um, so that all joins up to the belly button. That's the ventral mesogastrium, connects to the ventral body wall. And then we've got the dorsal mesogastrium as well, which comes off that greater curvature right you've got that which also attaches to the spleen and the dorsal body wall and then also 
droops kind of droops down over the colon and the internal organs in the, the inter, yeah the um small intestines as like this thing called the greater omentum which is like this fatty piece of apron yeah, apron yeah, yeah, yeah seriously if you see it in the lab you can if there's a nice specimen of it you can just seriously lift it up and then you'll see there's a bit of transverse colon attached and then you can see the intestines in the middle yeah yeah so um, you yeah. mentioned the falciform ligament of yeah. the liver. Can yeah. you tell us more about the liver? Okay, sure, man. So you've got different lobes in the liver, right? So you've got what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's technically four anatomical and some more functional lobes. We'll just go to the anatomical ones. You've got the left lobe, which is more left, and it's separated by that falciform ligament, right? From the right. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got the right lobe, and then kind of behind, or you say if you're looking at it from the posterior side, um, you've got the quadrate lobe, which is posterior and inferior. It's like kind of next to your gallbladder. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got the quadrate lobe, which is more superior and pretty small as well. Yeah. Which yeah. looks like a tail. That's yeah. Quadrate. Yeah. 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 No, but liver is pretty awesome. We'll go into more of the things it does, but it is massive. It does a lot of things, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the foregut. We've got the ventral mesogastrium and the dorsal mesogastrium, and as we go down, we've spoken a bit about the mesentery proper. And that pretty much connects it to the dorsal body wall, the all that stuff, jejunum and ileum. What else when it comes to mesenteries? Um, do you want to talk about the marginal artery? Yeah, no. So like you have you have like a crap ton of um blood vessels which branch from the superior and inferior inferior mesenteric and stuff yep. like that. So like the question is, well, what happens if one of the vessels gets occluded? Because like when you eat, right, your intestines they don't they're not stationary. They like move around. Sometimes when you have a big meal, maybe like a vessel gets pinched, and like you don't want blood flow to stop there because the tissue just gets necrotic and dies. Right. So you need backup pathways, right? Yeah. So there's this cool thing called the marginal artery, and it basically connects. I believe it connects the branches of the superior and inferior mesenteric artery. Yeah. And that that's just like a failsafe so that blood has another route to get to um, a part of the intestines which may have blood occluded, yeah. It's right. pretty cool. So if my superior gets, like, blocked up or something, then I can get my blood supply from the marginal artery from the inferior? Well, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, so it's just the marginal just runs all around the... Um, mm. Yeah, it's kind of like um, a parabola almost. Mm. It just runs around, yeah. Yeah, it's if you think of like a, a mesh pretty much, you've got this like main artery running around the colon and then you've got this mesh of small arteries coming off it that no matter which vessel is occluded, there's always another path where the blood can flow and make sure that the whole um, the GIT is pretty much being supplied with um, blood, which is very important. Cool. So we've spoken about the... Small intestine and the colon. Um, should we talk a bit about like some of the more macroscopic features of the colon, like hostra, yeah. coli, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to take us through that? So there's hostra, which are like the folds in the colon, like it's sort of bumpy if you yeah. look at it. And then there's a tinea coli, which are like these longitudinal muscle fibers. I think, what, what do they do, guys? Do they? So, yeah, hostra pretty much helps for, like, segmentation of, of the chyme, I think it's called, which is food that's been digested. And it also, because uh, you can imagine with your ascending colon, you've got to kind of push against gravity. So it kind of produces these little segments where you can push the chyme into and then hold it there and do more peristalsis or squeezing and then push it up further. Um, yeah. And then the horstra is 
lining of smooth muscle, right? And that also helps with... Tinea colli? Yeah, t- oh, tinea colli, sorry, yeah. That also helps with a bit of peristalsis, right? I reckon, yeah. 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 So it all helps move food along and all things like that. Also, like, um, for the... Oh, did, did you mention how the horse, right, they, like, kind of, like, separate so, like, the feces doesn't go back down? Yeah, 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 yeah cool. Cool. Um, blood supply to the paired glands? Yeah. So how is that different to the foregut, midgut? Or supplied organs. So we've got the all those. It's bilateral. Yeah. So left and right, and it does it drains back to the systemic venous system. Doesn't go to the hepatic portal vein. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. So, the kidneys, gonads, and suprarenal glands will all drain directly into the inferior vena cava, right, um, bypassing the liver, which I guess is important as well when you think of function of the suprarenal glands is secretion of adrenaline right and some noradrenaline as well right. you'd want that to get straight into the circulation yeah yeah, yeah. Got especially run. when you need need the things yeah um yeah so that's um how the blood supply is different in that regard um we've spoken about how the anus also bypasses the liver so you can um administer drugs that way anything else oh yeah should... do we find out what that's called uh i think suppositories right yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's novel yeah. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it, later. it next time. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Anything else we should add, Boots? Um, Brugay in the stomach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a macroscopic feature in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, basically folds, which just um, it allows your stomach to um, uh, it's a greater surface. Not no, it's not absorption. It's like when you have more food, um, it allows the stomach to expand. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing I guess about the stomach is that. It's really just like, if you think of when you're squeezing a sponge to get all the stuff out, like you're trying to squeeze it from all angles and your stomach is kind of trying to do the same. It's got three layers of muscle. Oh, is it? Is, yeah, it's muscle um, in the external of it. And it's longitudinal, transverse and oblique. And all three of them are, you know, kind of contracting and squishing just so you get that digestion happening. Yeah. So wringing out a sponge, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah no, very good. Um, your two sphincters, what are they, normal on the stomach? So you've got the cardiac sphincter, which is closer to the heart and uh, more superior of the stomach. So that regu- helps regulate food going into the stomach from the esophagus. And then uh, inferiorly, you've got the pyloric one, which is um, where things get... Um, chucked into the duodenum, so the first portion of the small intestine. And which one's thicker? The pyloric. Why? Um, maybe to just, like, stop having those bad stomach acids going into the duodenum, like, as much of it going in there. That's my guess. I think it's also because um, you need less uh, muscle at the pyloric end because your diaphragm helps close, yeah, close off that. Yeah, right. nice. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, awesome. And so, like, the top... Am I correct in um, saying... Tom was saying the top of the stomach is like more acidic. Yeah, that's what that's he did say that the fundus, the funny yeah, part. Yeah. The fundus, yeah. I think we'll get into that when we look at the histology because, okay. like, yeah, it's a very different structure yeah. when you're trying to secrete stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And I'll, I'll guess I'll just add some a bit of embryology here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so, one of the reasons why in the foregut you have a connection to the um, ventral body wall and the posterior body wall. Is because in development, if you think of everything um, along the axis of the embryo right now. So dorsally, you've got the neural tube, and then below that, or 
more ventrally, you have the spleen, and then more ventrally, you have the stomach, and then more ventrally, you have the liver. So all developing organs, all kind of along its midline. And then what happens is all of that, so the spleen, stomach, and liver are all encased in the same, like, um, connected uh, tissue. Connected tissue, yes. Amazing time. Yeah. So that's uh, splanchno pleura. No, no. No, that's the, this would be like the peritoneal cavity. It's splanchno pleura. Right? Yeah, yeah, so like this this area around here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the CT of the splanchno pleura. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what happens is the liver starts to grow really quickly and gets really big, kind of pushing towards the right side. And as that happens, the stomach gets pushed off center and towards the left, and the spleen gets pushed more towards the back left, right? So then this is like a continuous connection between the dorsal body wall and the ventral body wall going through the spleen, the stomach, and the liver. So, and then when you separate that into ventral and dorsal, that's where the ventral and dorsal mesogastrium comes from. So that's, right. yeah, so that's, I thought that was, um, it helps to visually look at it as well because yeah. then it makes sense why that's all connected. Otherwise, it feels just a bit random, like yeah. some of it's attached yeah, exactly. to the front and some of it's to the back. Yeah, whereas that doesn't really happen in the, um, the mid-gut and the hindgut as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. So I think we've pretty much covered everything there, hey? You guys want to do fun facts? Yeah, oh, go yeah. for it. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, all right. um, <laughs> one thing I thought was pretty cracked was that um, apparently in development, because your gut tube grows faster than your body wall, it oh it um it herniates into your umbilical like umbilical yeah wow so it just goes out through your umbilicus a little Whoa. and then until your body wall gets big enough it doesn't come back in until then so wow. are you saying when I was an embryo some of my guts were sticking out of my belly button yeah, yeah. waiting for my body to grow yeah yeah, uh, yeah I thought that was crack yeah. that oh. is that is pretty messed up. That is- and, <laughs> yeah, and what do you guys think of the smell of, of formaldehyde? I love oh, it. Personally. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> did it, did you guys get hungry? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't eat though. So yeah. yeah, but Jamal did say it's a strong confounding factor, right? Because you're in there for about two hours, and it's like, of course, uh, you know, you've had breakfast maybe two hours ago. You're in there for another two hours, and you haven't ate anything. So you're gonna get hungry at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. Thank you for listening. To that hopefully it made a bit of sense. Um, I think. Anatomy can be difficult at first because it seems like a lot, but once you understand it, it's kind of kind of beautiful how everything comes together. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Alright, thank you for joining us and we'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, this is Sean. Before you go, I just wanted to let you guys know that we'd really appreciate any feedback you guys have. We want to make the most interesting and understandable and engaging content possible. So let us know how to do that if you have any tips. We hope you have a wonderful week and stay curious.